Today's scripture comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You may have noticed me put a chair in the aisle. Uh, you will probably also notice an extra scripture and an extra prayer. I'm reading from the book of James in the fifth chapter, beginning in verse 13. It reads, are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of prayer, of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Sometimes we read scripture, but we don't live scripture. And sometimes what we're praying for is kind of like a spot on a garment, and some spots you've got to rub on a little harder. And so today, I'm acknowledging we've been praying for weeks or even months for Jeannie and her daughter Lynn and her granddaughter Tori, and scripture suggests we do more. And so I'm gonna invite Jeannie to take the seat that I put up there uh, sit in a seat, please, Jeannie. And I'm going to ask for all of the elders, including former elders and future elders, if you are able, please, to come and form a circle around Jeannie. Uh, this will not be a prayer from the preacher. The elders I'm inviting to come and pray. If there are elders unable to come and join us, I will bring a microphone to you. But sometimes the church ought to do what the Bible says. So I'm gonna invite the elders to come and pray. If someone needs us to bring the microphone to them, we'll do that. Looks like all the elders are coming. These, these are faithful elders. Let us come and surround Jeannie with your prayer.
Jeannie, we pray for you and your daughter and, you, and that she may be healed of the pneumonia that's beset her and also you as you fight this battle that they have, still haven't determined exactly what is wrong with you. We pray for your good health and keep your faith as you know you will. Father, we ask you wrap your we ask you wrap your loving and healing arms around Jeannie and her family. Give her strength, give her perseverance, and give her healing through this difficult time because we trust and we know that you will take care of us all, including Jeannie and her family. Gracious and loving God, our Heavenly Father, we ask for the gift of your presence in the life of Jeannie. We ask for the gift of light and love and hope as she travels this path. And we ask for the gift of your healing touch as you see in her life. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, you are with us every day. This is a special care prayer, and we ask for you and your special concern, for our concern, your special prayers. And the church said, give her a hug. As the elders return, is there anyone in this congregation glad to know you've got elders praying for you? All right. One who we will ask to join us going forward anytime we call for the elders is Ashray, who on Tuesday uh, the board approved taking Ashray into our care to serve in the role of student minister as he attends United Seminary and worships and serves with us. So welcome Ashray. Why don't you stand, let us take a look at you. Ashray is a young man, he's 23 years old. He's not been in the country for a year yet. Uh, but he has three years of ministerial experience back in India, uh, and he's come quite a journey on his way here, including losing both parents in the last few years, his father earlier 
this year. Uh, and so we welcome you. We're going to take care of you, but we're going to squeeze you like a grape and get everything that's in you out of you. All right. Actually, the beginning of my prepared sermon was going to invite us to lift up Jeannie and Lynn and Tori, but the spirit directed me to take it a little further. Uh, and I don't say that as apology, I say it as explanation. Uh, we need to move when the spirit says move. Does everyone agree on that? All right. The sermon is entitled, If You Can Wait, and it is based on that reading from Isaiah 40, which is by any measure one of my favorite passages of scripture. Isaiah 40 goes on through those 31 verses, and there are segments of that chapter that take us all the way from the beginning of the chapter with the words, comfort ye. Where's Terry? That's King James, comfort ye. Uh, comfort, and it ends with the challenge that we heard in verses 27 through 31. From challenge to wait. Uh, there's a promise in the challenge, but we certainly are challenged to wait on the Lord. Um, we are ch challenged as we discovered in the children's message, by the whole notion of waiting. We don't like to wait. We are about instant gratification, and that's only when we've got time to wait on instant. Sometimes instant's not fast enough for us. But it says those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. The question for those of us unwilling to wait is, are there some folk in our midst today who have found themselves weary from time to time or have found themselves feeling faint from time to time? You're going to have to do some waiting if you can't sustain your maximum pace throughout your life. If you can't run full speed at every moment, you've got to figure out and learn how to wait. It's a promise. They that wait on the Lord will get all of this renewal and flight and running and walking, but how can they wait? How can we wait? Uh, we, we live in a world where all of a sudden there's a disregard for the lives of others or even for their feelings. There is competition in all things, even things that should not be competitive. I've been telling some folks about our Monday game crew, and I, I guess I need to go on and confess, I kind of like them. This is a group of folk who, when playing a game named aggravation, help each other beat themselves in a game named aggravation. This is not a group like the world I'm talking about. The world where 
Hate of neighbors and foreigners is common. Hate of the strangers, hate even of relatives, hating yourselves, mistrust of everything and everybody, skepticism and doubt. This world has lost its mind. How can we wait when we see everything becoming worse rather than better? It's an inspirational reading, wait on the Lord, but how can we wait when the people around us are on the verge of some new kind of folly every minute of every day? My confession is I don't know. I'm not supposed to ask rhetorical questions in a speech or a sermon if I don't know the answer, but I don't know how we can wait. I do know what scripture has told me will be the result if we can wait. If we can wait, we get all of that in verses 27 through 31. If we can wait, the Lord will swoop in and redeem us. If we can wait, we'll be able to walk without fatigue. We'll be able to run and continue to run. If we can wait, we're going to be in a much better place. But first, we've got to figure out how to wait. Some examples of this difficulty with waiting and the reward of waiting uh, I have become a passenger when I go to Walmart in the motorized cart there. The difference being that most of the stores I go to that have motorized carts, you find the carts fully charged when you go to ride in them. But many of Walmart's carts are on their last breath they will take me as far as the bakery and leave me there. Some of them take me as far as the meat department and leave me there. But consistently the carts at Walmart are going to leave me somewhere. And so I have found where the electrical outlets are in Walmart. I have found some electrical outlets that I am have been told not to use. Uh, one time I was looking at computers in Walmart and uh, they have electrical power by the computers in Walmart. And so while I was looking for a computer, which I was preparing to spend several hundred dollars on a computer, I was chastised for plugging the Walmart cart into the Walmart electricity. That's strange. Plugging the card in enables me to stay in Walmart longer and spend more of my money on Walmart's product, but I was chastised for using Walmart electricity to charge Walmart's cart. So I have found as I go from place to place, I have to sneak and charge the, out the plugs. And I'm not patient. I charge it for three to five minutes and unplug it and go somewhere else for the cart to leave me in a different aisle. 
if I had the patience, I could go to one place, plug the cart in one plug, leave it plugged for 15 minutes, and fully charge the cart. I, in Walmart, am not among those that wait on the Lord. I have recharged the cart as many as four times in one trip because I never can make myself wait long enough to get the cart fully charged. Once you've got the cart, it's yours till you give it back. But I can't wait. In the National Football League, the average running back only plays in the National Football League for three to four years. And some of that has to do with waiting or not waiting because one of the skills of being a running back is to stop running. To stop running momentarily so that the blockers can come and knock those big mean tacklers out of your way. Most running backs go to the National Football League and immediately set out to show the world how fast they can run and how far they can run. And so the mean tacklers get them and they twist them up into little knots and send them out of the National Football League in three to four years. They have to learn how to wait. Less frivolously, there was a structure built in 1961 in the city of Berlin. Berlin suddenly became like two cities in 1961 when a wall was erected in the middle of the city that divided the various segments of the city in a physical and a very visible way. We called it the Berlin Wall or the Wall of Berlin. And for 27 years, everybody around the world declared it to be a shame that the people of one city could not live together. Uh, people gave speeches about it. People gave demonstrations about it. They went to the United Nations. They went into the uh, assembly of, of Germany. And people continued to, to clamor, tear this wall down. Ronald Reagan gave a speech in June of 1987, called Mr. Gorbachev from the Soviet Union and said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. But he didn't, and we didn't, and no one else did. For 27 years, nothing human tore down the wall. And then one day, all of a sudden, it was in the news, last night, they tore the wall down. Nobody announced any governmental action. There was no United Nations sanction. There was no block club meeting. There was no official decision made by anyone on earth to tear down the Berlin Wall. It's just one morning the people of God got up and started taking brick by brick out of that wall. And before the day was over, there was no Berlin Wall. It was God. It was God. It wasn't in the news reported as being an act of God. 
But everything human had happened in those 27 years. That day, God said, this is the day. That wall leaves here this day. We need to learn the patience that it takes to wait for God to do what God does. We need to trust God to do what God does. In order to do that, we've got to first know this is a situation that needs for something to be done. Have any of you ever seen a situation that demanded action? Any of you? But in some cases, when you see this immediate need for action, you see also your inability to bring the requisite action to bear. Something needs to be done, and it's bigger than me. Beyond my capacity, there is an immediate need for rescue, but I can't rescue us. I can't rescue me. I can't rescue you. And so we wait. We've probably thought of waiting as a passive thing, an inactive thing. But the beginning of waiting, when it comes to waiting on the Lord, is trust. Do you regard trusting as inactivity? The second part maybe the most difficult for some of us, is getting out of the way. Some things God's trying to do in your life. Sometimes God's trying to use you to get done, but you're busy thinking and figuring out what to do, and so God, who is trying to work a plan through you, finds you working on some different plan. We've got to trust God, and then we've got to get out of the way. That's part of our waiting, is getting out of the way. And then the most difficult caught part is actually the waiting. The waiting and seemingly doing nothing. I want you to trust this. While you are waiting, God isn't waiting. God is doing, God is acting in these kairos moments, and that's what this waiting is. It's a kairos moment. We can do things according to the clock, or we can do things according to God. Kairos time is interpreted to be in the fullness of time, or in God's time. In these kairos moments, God is busily at work. That's the part we've got to understand. God's not taking a break, nor are we being given a break. God is at work in these Kairos times. And so it becomes true that they that wait on the Lord are going to mount up with wings like eagles. We're going to run and not be weary. We're going to walk and not faint. In this time of waiting, we're doing nothing. But if we can wait, this 
part at the end of the chapter comes in. If we can wait, God's going to give you some wings. You're going to flap your wings and mount up with wings like eagles. Your legs will get strong again. You'll be able to run. You'll be able to walk. Weariness and fatigue and uh, and being fed up and worn out is a part of your past if you can first wait. Wait on the Lord. God's got something special in store for you, but only if you can wait.